Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The Blue Cliff Record, Case 48, O Taifu and the Tea Ceremony. Main subject. Otaifu was invited to a tea ceremony at Shokeji. As Rojoza lifted the kettle to bring it to Myosho, it overturned. Otaifu asked, What is under the kettle? Rojoza replied, The hearth deity. Otaifu said, why would the hearth deity overturn the kettle? Ro said, one may serve in office for a thousand days and then lose it all in one morning. O Taifu swung his sleeves and left the room. Myosho said, Ro Joza. You have long eaten the food at Shokeji, yet you wander about the countryside gathering charred wood. Rojoza asked, what about you, master? Yosho replied, this is where the devil gets the better of you. Secho remarked, if I had been there, I would just have kicked over the tea stove. Secho's verse, cleaving the air, the question came. The answer missed the point. Alas, the one-eyed dragon never showed his fangs and claws. If the fangs had been bared, the claws unsheathed, lightning would have flashed among the storm clouds. How many times have I gone through the surging waves of adverse currents. Good afternoon. Mistakes. Mistakes. A kettle overturned. Scorning the wearing of masks during a pandemic. 
the longer we live, the more we recognize and regret our errors, large and small. Having just turned 77, I look back over the years and I'm deeply humbled by the mistakes I've made. Many, many. And I appreciate their teachings. I was told that the last words of Kogetsu Taniroshi, abbot of Shogenji in Gifu, Japan, were my life has been one continuous mistake. Wonderful. Maybe you don't think so. Well, there's a book that many of you know well and love called Novice to Master, an ongoing lesson in the extent of my own stupidity. It's by the late Soko Morinaga Roshi. And he tells a story that one morning after breakfast, his teacher, Zuigan Goto Roshi told him, hey, go into my room and from my desk, look toward the alcove. So he rushed to the room and he looked everywhere to see what mistakes he had made in cleaning the room. He couldn't find anything wrong. So he went back in confusion and asked his teacher, please show me. I'll read from his teacher's words. You fool, who said you did anything wrong in the cleaning? This morning, I put that single rose of Sharon in the bud vase. It goes well with the scroll and looks so beautiful. So I told you to go look at it. You did see the flower, didn't you? It dawned on me that I had not, in fact, noticed a flower. I went back into Roshi's room to look. The wall of the alcove, which had been standing for over 250 years, was darkened. Against the smoky wall, there was a scroll with a single large calligraphy of the ideograph for dew. Ro, 
When a Zen monk writes the word do, it is not to the natural phenomenon that he refers, but to direct revelation. Nothing concealed anywhere, truth or dharma, revealed in all things. Buddha revealed in all things. That is what the scroll of dew was hanging there to say. Beneath the scroll, a large pure white blossom seemed to float out from the old plastered wall and bathe the eye with its beauty. Just moments before I had failed to see that flower. My eyes had been tightly shut to it. Herein lies the difficulty of practice. My oversight was to become grist for my teacher's lectures. After I made this blunder, Zvigan Roshi was wont to say during talks, if the heart is caught up, fettered, you cannot see even what you are looking right at. Why, just the other day, that idiot who is sitting right there When we really look at our world today, we see the worsening conditions caused by greed, disdain, willful ignorance, resulting in so many deaths, so much trauma. And we know we cannot exempt ourselves from any of it. We can only vow to practice more diligently and encourage each other because we are interconnected, because our commitment to the Buddha's way has unlimited and unquantifiable effects. COVID-19 has been a great teacher. It has called us to respond in ways we never would have dreamed of a year ago. The, uh, the all-encompassing nature of 
an at-home session. And this is true at the monastery as well, where you are in your true home, is that there's not a tenth of an inch's difference between practice and daily life. Those of you who are sitting at your home right now, look around. You know, I love to see you in your natural environment. Some of you make some kind of special backdrop. No, I want to see what's that map, Ryoju? He's not able to tell me out loud some other day. To look and see, oh, how wonderful that backdrop of wood behind you all. This ordinary life. And so one nurtures the other. Daily life practice, serious session practice, no gap, just sitting, just chanting, just vowing. The ripple effects radiate far beyond what we can see or know. So we might say to live in the Dharma means to live with faith in no knowing. We just commemorated Bodhidharma, the first ancestor of Zen in China, who made such a perilous three-year journey by ship from India in the early part of the sixth century, through storms, through becalmed days of heat, through illness and exhaustion, We can be inspired by this. Most of us are younger than 120 or 150. They're not so sure exactly how old he was, but somewhere in there. And no matter how bad we feel, we can think of Bodhidharma and finally landing in China. He was summoned to a meeting with Emperor Wu, you know the story. The emperor proudly told Bodhidharma, I have had sutras copied and translated. I have built temples and have been supporting monastic training. Tell me, what merit have I acquired? I have, I have, I have. 
among all those sutras. Had he read the Diamond Sutra? Buddha teaches that all things are devoid of selfhood, devoid of personality. If a Bodhisattva says, I will produce great Buddha lands, do not call this one a Bodhisattva. Bodhisattvas who are wholly devoid of any conception of separate selfhood may be truly called bodhisattvas. So to the emperor's question, what was Bodhidharma's response? No merit whatsoever. Of course, actions undertaken with the idea of acquiring merit have no merit. They're undergirded by and tainted by that conception of separate selfhood. And what is merit? And what is without merit? Well, the emperor was miffed. He was not commended. So he decided, oh, okay, I'm going to test this old teacher. And he asked, what is the first principle of the holy teachings? This person who refutes the merit of my actions, what does he really know about Buddhism? Bodhidharma answered, vast emptiness, nothing holy. The emperor was shocked. How could the holy teachings be empty? He was seeking something, not nothing. Nothing holy? Wasn't bringing the holy teachings the point of establishing Buddhism in China? And of course, in the emperor's mind, things were either sacred or profane, pure or defiled, full or empty. So he asked question number three, who are you? Or who are you? Bodhidharma responded, I don't know. I don't know. No knowing. No way to know. Who? What? Where? 
when, why, how is the self of no self? Once again, the emperor didn't get it. The audience was over. Bodhidharma left. He crossed the river and went into the land of Northern Way. Then Shiko, who was evidently quite a remarkable guy in the emperor's circle, asked him, do you know who that was? Emperor Wu said, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe in spite of himself, there was some understanding lurking, stirring deep within his own. I don't know. In any case, Shiko told him that was the Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara, the embodiment of compassion, the bearer of the seal of enlightened heart-mind. The emperor was filled with regret and said, Oh, I made a big mistake. Go after him. Bring him back here. But Chico said, even if everyone in the entire country went after him, he would not return. It's done. The opportunity is gone. So it's very possible that most of us have had some similar experience. Only later recognizing that was an important opportunity that I blew. That was a key teaching that I didn't get an offering was made, but I wasn't ready. Maybe I was too self-involved. I couldn't respond. And now it's gone. Too late. In the tea ceremony, most of you know the adage, one time, one meeting. This is it. This is the only time. Are we here for it? And what if we're not? Most likely, some mistake occurs. 
Then what? Well, if we're shocked into the present, everything opens up. If we're overcome with self-recrimination, if we're blinded by our belief in a separate selfhood, we miss it and it closes up again. Then what? The lesson awaits. Or wait and see. In the case we're looking at today, three people have gathered for a tea ceremony. And a fourth is off stage, but is a key character. Choke Eryo Zenji, Abbot of Shokeji. The special guest is O Enhin Taifu, governor of the district, who practiced under Choke at Shokeji for many years. He became his Dharma heir. And it was he who, as governor, installed Choke, his teacher, as abbot. Now, Choke himself was a Dharma heir of great Seppo Gison Zenji, whose other heirs included renowned masters like Suigan, Hosoku, Umon, who, along with Choke, some of you may remember from the koan Suigan's eyebrows, case eight of the Blue Cliff Record. So the host, of today's tea ceremony at Shokeji is Myosho Token, vice abbot. And he himself is, was the Dharma heir of Razan Dokan, who had received Dharma transmission from Seppo's Dharma brother, Ganto Zenkatsu. So, Myosho is Choke's Dharma nephew. And acting as assistant to Myosho is Ro Joza, a senior monk at Chokeji, who in some accounts eventually received transmission from Choke. In any case, all are in the esteemed lineage of Toksan Senkan. Now, at this time of day, listening to this history may make you rather sleepy. So, I tell you what, we're going to raise up our arms. Raise up, raise up, raise up. Higher, 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 higher. And look up at the heavens. 
And so many of you are alone in your home, but even if there's someone lurking in the next room, I give you permission to say, yes! No one minds overhearing, yes. Oh, usually they hear you say, move, no. So this is wonderful, wake up, right? Yes. Good. Now in tea, some of you have done tea ceremony. Recently, Gyun and Tenko joined tea ceremony in the park. And I saw pictures, very beautiful, from Kifu Pali. In tea and in Zen, the interaction of host and guest is more than a matter of etiquette. Each acts in accordance with the role and the occasion. Observing the traditional customs yet with flexibility and natural attentiveness. The tea host creates a calm, serene, harmonious atmosphere with a scroll that reflects the occasion and a seasonal flower arrangement in the tokonoma, perhaps a single white rose of Sharon blossom. The guest in a refreshing state of relaxed awareness appreciates each sight, gesture, scent, sound, and taste. Now, if something goes awry, if an accident occurs, it's taken care of quietly and with unruffled composure. After all, a surprise can add something to the ceremony. We thought this was about to happen and no, instead scalding water has just splashed everywhere. Oh. Just as an irregularly shaped, cracked, and carefully mended tea bowl is treasured for its imperfection and it's maybe more than 77 years. As the third ancestor, Sousan Ganshi Zenji, of whom we heard yesterday in Hokuto's wonderful talk, as Sosan Zenji said, one in all, all in one. 
if only this is realized, no more worries about you're not being perfect. And the basic principles of tea are the same as in our practice, especially when we live in community. Harmony, respect, purity, and tranquility. In today's koan, Rojoza made a big mistake, but it wasn't the obvious one. In lifting the kettle from the stove, he wasn't attentive and it overturned. hot water, probably ruining the governor's fancy robe. But he was rolled, was knocked off course as much as the kettle was. He certainly was not able to retain any degree of unruffled composure. But the real mistake came after that. The honored guest, Oh Taifu, immediately asked him, what is under the kettle? What's going on with your practice? Are you with it? Are you watching out under your feet? Or as Yogan Senzaki said, minute after minute, watch your steps closely. So to this question, what is under the kettle? Rojoza replied, the hearth deity. This reminds me of the black stand-up comedian and actor Flip Wilson who was well-known in the 1960s and 70s and 80s. And he came up with a character whose catchphrase was, the devil made me do it. So here we have Rojoza, mortified by what has just happened. Perhaps later on, he might own up to the fact that his self-consciousness and 
inattentiveness had caused the accident. But right now, in answer to old Taifu's question, what does he do? He fingers the hearth deity. Now, I'm sure many of us have been in similar situations and we make a mistake because we're distracted or we have some, some kind of self-absorbed concern about uh, being judged. You know, here we are in a very important circumstance and we're not sure that we can really manage it. And we're worried about being judged and found wanting. Because perhaps inside, there's this little voice saying, you're not good enough. You're not going to be able to do this. So what you want to do more than anything else is hide anything that confirms that little voice. Maybe try to shift the blame. It wasn't me. Somebody else caused me to trip or drop that or spill that. Or maybe we try to justify what happened. You know, the kettle must have been set down improperly. Something must have been out of place. Or the stars were not in proper alignment. Rojosa took shelter in the Confucian belief in household deities who governed uh, over and protected the kitchen, the bathhouse, the well, the garden. And of course, offerings were made by those living there. And great care was taken with every aspect of domestic life. It's the same with our practice. We may not speak of deities, but through our zazen, we know that every being, even in sentient things, all are sacred. And our practice teaches us how to care for and honor and protect everything in our environment. So Zen and tea are different forms of the same formlessness. Having attention, paying respect, to every aspect of our lives. Walking, sitting, 
caring, working, serving, eating, cleaning, no sloppiness, no daydreaming. Whether you're at Kese, at DBZ, or at our city temple, or at Hoenji, or in your own homes. This is cultivating reverential mind. And in this cultivation, we can wake up just this, this, this. We all make mistakes. Of course, some carelessness causes something to break or a mess in the tea ceremony. What do we do? That's the important question. Are we looking under the tea kettle? Are we examining what has caused this error? We just bow, just acknowledge the mistake with sincere humility and take care of it. And perhaps to ourselves or later aloud, we chant the verse of purification with new resolve to extinguish our delusions, however inexhaustible they may be. Martin Buber said, you cannot find redemption until you see the flaws in your own soul and try to efface them. We can be redeemed only to the extent to which we confront and come to understand our own selves, he said. Rojoza couldn't do this. He tried to deflect Otaipu's probing with the hearth deity made me do it. Otaipu couldn't believe his ears. Why would the hearth deity overturn the kettle? Then, as often happens, self-pity took over. Rojosa said, one may serve in office for a thousand days and then lose it all in one morning. Here I've been doing such a good job and just happened to overturn the kettle 
not of course through any fault of mine. So we know a moment's inattentiveness can have serious long-term consequences. Before Gold and Wind a year ago, some of you may have thought, well, I guess I can go to the next session at DBZ. Right now, I'm too busy or I want to travel or my family really wants to see me or I really got to do some important things in the house or my job or whatever, right? A year ago, just a year ago. And, you know, it's natural, we get complacent. It'll always be there. And then everything changed. A moment's inattentiveness. A century's blindness to the effects of greed. And now the inconceivable consequences, fires, floods, famine, pestilence. No knowing what's next. So in any case, in this case, Oh, Taifu, disgusted with Rose, self-absorbed response. Oh, poor me. Swung his sleeves and left the room. How dreadful to have the honored guest who also happens to be the governor and the Dharma heir of the abbot walk out. Then what? Then the host, the vice abbot, Mio Shou said, Rojoza, you have long eaten the food at Shokeji. Yet you wander around the countryside gathering charred wood. This Dharma has been supporting you. Yet your mind is so distracted, you don't even know it. Ground yourself in your practice. Wake up! To which Rojoza asked, What about you, Master? Again, deflecting. 
trying to turn things around, to put the vice abbot on the spot. Well, seeming to ask for guidance. Myo Sho replied, this is where the devil gets the better of you. For you, Rojoza, in other words, the hearth deity has become a hearth devil. What about you? The devil made you do it. Secho, the compiler of the Blue Cliff Record, had no use for that lackluster response. So he made a comment that brings everything to life. If I had been there, he said, I would just have kicked over the tea stove. No wallowing in some dualistic sense of right and wrong, just seeing what's happened and in one swift kick, completely changing and reviving the spirit of tea, of Zen, of our lives. This is what we are in training to do. Instead of hiding, instead of trying to pretend that things are otherwise, instead of wallowing in our own self-loathing, kick it over. Live your practice. Offer yourselves to the Dharma. And let's go together. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.